Good morning, Christ Church. It is good to be with you. Hey, can we welcome all those tuning in online? What's up, guys? I hope everybody's feeling good. I'm just getting over like a cold, so if I'm hacking all over the place in my sermon, please forgive me. <laughs> but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best. But it is, it is good to be with you. We had our team night uh, this week. Yeah. And, uh, and I want to just thank everybody uh, for coming out. It was a great night. And it's so awesome to see so many West Campus people there bringing the fire. You guys are awesome. So, so thank you for those who came. Thank you again to all our volunteers who just serve in amazing ways every single week. Man, we are truly thankful for you, and God is using you, um, and, and you make our church a great place. So we love you. We thank you. And today we're going to start a brand new sermon series. So we're going to be going through the book of 1 Corinthians for uh, several weeks. Each week, we're going to do roughly, you know, one chapter. Uh, I'm going to try and kind of summarize um, some of the big ideas. I may skip a chapter. You never know. But we'll go through, you know, by and large, most of it. And, uh, and, and I think it'll be a really good study. And last week, if you were maybe inspired and motivated to start reading the scripture, you could read along with this series just one chapter of 1 Corinthians a week, and you can kind of follow along. And reading one chapter over seven days is very, very, very doable, you know? That's like a sentence a day, basically. Now, it, it may be a little bit more than that, but, but it's a very doable habit. So, um, so that could be a good idea for some of us. But let's pray, and we'll get into it. Father, we thank you for this time. We pray that you would bless us as we look at the Scriptures. Open up our eyes to see the wisdom and the power of the gospel. And Lord, refocus our hearts on you this morning. Father, for those of us who maybe are uh, in a tough place in our, in our faith or struggling to see your goodness, help us to see it in Christ. Father, for those of us who just need reminded of us, Lord, remind us. For those of us who need to see it for the first time, give us eyes to see it. And we pray that you would be honored and you would be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, my, my daughter, Abby, I've told you about her. She's two years old. And, uh, and when she gets an idea in her mind, it's very hard to convince her otherwise, you know. And, and she, you know, if she wants something, uh, she will just be incredibly persistent about it. Um, so much so that it often gets to the point of yelling in tears. You know, very, very quickly. And tears, yeah, my, yeah, my tears. Um, and, uh, and, and she'll just be like absolutely adamant. She'll be throwing a fit. And, you know, Allie and I will try, you know, try to reason with her or talk with her and, you know, try to move her from one room to the other. You know, just anything you can. You, you know how this goes. And, uh, and so every so often she'll be, she'll be losing her mind and, uh, and, and we'll, we'll be trying to, to talk her out of it, and then in the corner of her eye, she'll catch something on the TV. And oftentimes, it's a show called Coco Melon. And she'll watch these nefarious babies singing weird songs. And all of a sudden, all the rage, all the anger, all the frustration, all the injustice that she feels towards her parents is gone. 
Just like that. And all of a sudden, she just, she's just locked in. And then slowly, a smile will begin to build on her face. Sometimes she'll, you know, I can tell she'll, she'll begin to, to mouth the words. And, and everything that was so wrong with the world is gone. It's an amazing thing. Now, I wish I could say it worked every time. If it did, I would never turn that show off. Uh, it doesn't work every time, but man, when it works, it is, it is a beautiful thing. By the way, ladies, this actually works on your husbands, too. <laughs> if you just turn on Sports Center, and then, like, whatever, you're like, man, they're annoying me today. You just turn it on, like, for two minutes, their mind's going to be focused, and they're going to be like, hey, what were we talking about, babe? Um, it, it's incredible. It's just, uh, it's like a law of physics. I don't know what it is. Um, but but it, it's amazing how, you know, as soon as she gets this, this more appealing focus, the problems in the present look different. And when we look at 1 Corinthians, this, this is a book all about solving all kinds of problems. And you're going to see that the Apostle Paul, he wrote this book, and he started this church in ancient Corinth. This is an ancient Greek city, and it was, it was a booming city. There was a lot of business. Um, there was a lot of opportunity. The city was actually kind of restarted by the Roman Empire, and many freed slaves were given the opportunity to start a new life there. So in many ways, it was a city that had sort of that entrepreneurial spirit, where if you're willing to work hard and you're willing to risk, you can build a beautiful life for yourself. And so it just attracted people like that. And it boomed and it bustled and the economy thrived and entertainment thrived and all this. And in the midst of this, the Apostle Paul started a church. And that church, you know, grew and developed. And then he kept in contact with it. And that's what the letters of 1st and 2nd Corinthians are. But as you'll see, the church, it was not a perfect place. Like all churches are not perfect places. They weren't from the beginning, they aren't now. There was a lot of problems. And so Paul walks the church through several of these different array of problems. And, and here's what you're going to see as a theme through this is that he's going to call them again and again to focus on something different. He's going to say, I know you're, you're upset, you're frustrated, you're dealing with this. But, but, but here's the way out. He, he's going to draw their attention to Jesus Christ. And you're going to see that today, and we're going to see this over and over again. And, and as we talk about this, I want to share this idea that, that problems grow in our life when we lose focus on Christ. If you're a follower of Jesus today, there's always a danger in our life that, that we lose focus on our relationship with God. There's always a danger that we get busy, we get distracted, we get frustrated, things happen, and, and it chips away at our attention, at our focus, at centering our life on Christ. And it usually happens slowly and subtly. But as that focus moves further and further away, it creates a lot of problems in our life. But those problems arise, and we don't realize that the root of it is our focus. And this is what Paul is going to teach us. And on the other hand, on the other side, whatever we're facing today, church, I mean, I know your life probably doesn't have that, any problems in it, right? Everything works out perfectly. 
But if, if it doesn't, um, then these words will be helpful to you. Because when, when we focus back on Christ as the beginning point of navigating the problems and the struggles we face in life, it helps us to better face them. And that's what I want you to see today. So I'm going to read um, five verses to begin, and then a little bit later I'm, I'm going to read the end of chapter 1. But if you have a Bible, you can turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and I'm going to, I'm going to begin at verse 4. And I, I love, these verses are so powerful and beautiful. Here's what he says. Paul's writing, I give thanks to my God always for you. He's talking about the, the church in Corinth. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him, in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you're not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at this verse. This is one of my most favorite verses in all the Bible. Who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ? That is one of the most hopeful verses you could ever read in all of Scripture. Do you hear what Paul's saying? He's saying, hey, at the end of the day, I'm counting on God to sustain you. And God is really good at everything he does. And he will sustain you guiltless to the end. In other words, you're going to make it. You're going to cross the finish line. But you're going to cross the finish line guiltless. You're going to cross the finish line being the person that God desires you to be. And it rests on God, not you. Is anyone encouraged by that? If you're not, I got nothing for you today, all right? Because <laughs> that's good stuff. Verse 9, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Again, God is faithful. We're not always faithful. But that doesn't change God. He is faithful. Now, I, I want to show you several things in these verses. But, but, but here's the first thing you need to know about the book of 1 Corinthians. This is a book about problems. And guess what? The Corinthians' primary problem was Paul himself. They, they, were, they were not respecting his apostolic authority. They were not respecting his leadership among them. They, you know, they, were, they were really questioning um, his credibility and his legitimacy. And so you will see that the overriding problem in 1 Corinthians is not their problems with each other. There's some of that. But more importantly, it's their problem with Paul himself. And Paul's going to address that. But before he does, he says these beautiful words about them. Now, I want you to think about this for a second. When you know someone has a problem towards you, how does that make you feel? Are you, are you going to be praying like Paul prayed? I don't know about you, but if I know that, I'm defensive. I'm like, cross this line, you know? <laughs> Amen. I know I'm broken, um, but I'm just telling you, I, I'm very defensive. I'm, I'm kind of looking more, you know, like uh, uh, my, my heart is not warm and fuzzy toward that person. 
even if I'm wrong. You know, I'm still like trying to convince myself I'm right. Um, and, and I think that's how many, but, but here, here's what I love. And here's, I think, what Paul models for us so powerfully, that when we have problems with people or people have problems with us, do you know what your beginning point is? Praying for them with great faith. And Paul models this. You're going to see, like, when you read this, you, you would think their relationship was amazing. But it was strained. But what does Paul do? He, he, before he corrects them, before he challenges them, before he brings up this hard conversation, man, he prays an authentic prayer of deep and rich faith for them. And husbands and wives, what if before you got into it, you pray, what if you prayed an authentic prayer of faith for your spouse? And I'm not talking about a, a prayer that they fall down and, you know, I'm talking about it's got to be, it's got to be forward in faith. Um, uh, what, what if you, you reminded yourself not of, of who they are in their worst moments, but who they are in Christ? You see, that's what Paul's doing. Paul's like, hey, church in Corinth, uh, gosh, you guys are driving me crazy. But you know what? Christ will keep you to the end guiltless. You see how powerful that is? Right, moms and dads, what if before you correct your kids, you paused and you took a moment and you prayed and you reminded yourself about who they are through Jesus Christ. Do you think that might change our tone? Do you think that that has power to make some of our relational issues better and more healthy? I think it's a beautiful thing that Paul is modeling. So when we, when we have problems with people, where do we begin? All right, hey, give your boss a piece of your mind, but pray for him first. All right? Yeah. Talk, talk about what, what, what's frustrating, but, but only do that number two, right? Because you know what, what happens in our minds, we build the situation in our mind, and it grows, and it grows, and it grows, and then all of a sudden, we no longer see a person. We see this terrible picture that we've created in our minds, and we treat them accordingly, and nothing gets actually better. I love what Paul does. He say, man, I, 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 am, I am thinking about who you are in Christ. And, and, and it softens my heart. And church, where there might be situations in our life where God needs to soften our heart. And it, and it comes through prayer. Now, here's the second thing about these verses that I want you to see. If you count the number of times, just in these five verses, that Jesus Christ is mentioned, it is six times by my count. That's a lot in a small amount of verses. If you look up to the verses before it, the first four verses, you'll find many more references to Christ. And so in these, these first nine verses, Christ is talked about again and again and again and again in so many ways. And, and here's what Paul is showing us, and, and here's where he is drawing the attention 
of the Corinthian church. He's saying, hey, I want you to see, I want you to know, and for some of you, I want you to remember that your faith is built entirely on the person of Jesus Christ. See, being, being a follower of Christ means that we, we understand the person and the work of Christ to be the absolute center of everything. And, and what I, was happening in the book of 1 Corinthians is that the church was losing Christ as their center. And it's something that can very easily happen to each and every one of us. Now, some of us, I know, when, if, you were to, if you were to say, what, what is the central message that God has for us? What, what is the central thing, the main thing that God is speaking to the world? Some of us, we, we grew up in churches where, where the central message would sound kind of like this. We are bad, God is mad, now I'm sad. You know? That, that was kind of like, if you had, I'm pretty good at rhyming. Um, <laughs> we, we are bad, God is mad, now I'm sad. Um, it, it, many of us, that, that was kind of like the central message that, that we understood. And for many of us, it was a huge deal to understand God differently than that. If you're there, give me an amen on that. It, it, was, a, it, was, a, it was a deep spiritual transformation. And, and, and there's many other of these sort of false gospels, false messages that we internalize about what God actually is speaking to this world. Some of us, we, we kind of understand God in a performance way. You know, God, God loves me if I do good things. God loves me if I'm on track. And believe it or not, that way of thinking is as equally dangerous as the other way. It, it will mess you up in different ways, but it will still mess you up. And here's what Paul is showing us. He, he's showing us that, that at the absolute heart and center of Christianity is, again, not what you and I do for God. It's what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. Again, church, the, the, the core thing that God wants from you and me is to receive the work of Jesus Christ done for you as a gift and to trust that, that in that work is all the forgiveness, all the grace, all the hope, all, all the strength that you will ever need for all of eternity. You with me on this, church? And, and Paul's saying it's all from Christ. It's all through Christ. Just look at, throw that slide up there where I have all the things Christ does, if you don't mind. Help me out. Or not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, here's a, no, that's all right. I'll just talk through it. So here's, just look at these verses again. It says, in every way you were enriched in him. You're not lacking in any gift. He will sustain you to the end. God is faithful. Here's just what I want you to see. It's all completely built on Christ. And here's why that's important. Because when, when Christians lose sight 
of the centrality of Christ, we end up arguing about stupid things and wounding each other. And this is exactly what happens in 1 Corinthians. They, they lose sight of Christ as the center. And because of that, they end up arguing about really, really stupid things. And whenever you find Christians being stupid, you can, it's, it's always going to be this problem. It, it's always going to be this, this loss of vision and focus on Christ. You with me on this? Well, let me give you a shameful example from my own life. I, there, there was one time a guy wanted to, to meet me. He was new to our church, and I met with him, and we got in this huge theological argument. And again, I'm, it was not my best day. And, uh, and you know, it's, it's good you, to talk about those things. It's fine to debate about those things, but you also have to do it with the spirit of grace and generosity. And if you lose that spirit, it's a really ugly thing. And so somehow that spirit got lost in our conversation. And, uh, and so like, you know, we were both like just arguing, you know, two grown men. I know, it's pathetic. And, uh, and, and just sort of, you know, making our points and all this. And, and then like that conversation was over. And I was like, did, did I really just act that way? You know, you ever have those moments? And, and I was like, I did. But what happened, here's what happened. I was more focused on my ego, on being right, making my point, whatever, than I was on Christ. And so it became, you know, just kind of an ugly moment. And every time you look at followers of Christ and you're like, that looks ridiculous, that is often a sign we've lost focus on Christ. And here's what I would also say, that that's actually not a good reason to not believe in Christ. Sometimes people in the world, maybe some of us in, in this room or online, we, we kind of feel that way. We're like, man, I, I'm interested in Christianity. I, I'm open to Christianity. But Christians, you know, can be really, really disappointing. They can be really, really annoying. And every Christian that I know who authentically loves God is like, I agree with you, and I'm sorry. We're tr all trying to do better. But you have to remember you have to remember that the beginning point of being a Christian is saying that you suck. That's, that, that's, the, that's how you start. That's how we call it. There's a fancier word for it. It's called repentance. But, but the, that's the beginning point. The beginning point of being a Christian is saying, yeah, dude, I'm, I'm more messed up than I even know. So then when you criticize Christians and you say, hey, you all are messed up, we're actually all in agreement. You know, so, and that's why, that's, why, that's why it all has to be built on Jesus Christ. See, if, in these verses, if I have to keep myself to the end, there's no chance and there's no hope. If my relationship with God rests on my faithfulness, then I, I am, I'm very insecure in my relationship with God. If it rests on God's faithfulness, then there's real freedom and strength in my life. Here's what Paul is saying. It rests on God's faithfulness. At the end of the day, we make it not because we're great and awesome and people who just have figured it all out. No, we make it in spite of all those things, and we do it because God has been so gracious to us through Jesus Christ.
And here's the deal. You can't ever forget that. You can't ever think it works differently for a moment because the second our eyes are off that is the second that there's room for all the human brokenness and stupidity to enter. You with me on this? The more that I understand the grace of God, the more gracious you and I become in life. The, 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 more, the more that we have to give others, which is really good and really healthy and really holy. And Paul, before he addresses anything, he's saying, hey, come back to Christ. Come back to the center. And then we'll talk about what we need to talk about. Now, let me just share a couple of verses here at the end of chapter 1, verse 26. He says, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to the world, worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are. So no human being might boast in the presence of God, and because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. So that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Now, there's a lot of territory that's covered between these verses, but, 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 but here's what Paul is saying. He's saying, hey, church of Corinth, I want to remind you, again, God didn't call you because you had it all figured out. Again, the gospel's not built on the greatness of who we are. It's built on the greatness of who God is. And he says, not many of you were noble. Not many of you were impressive. Not, not many of you were, were all these things. He says, but, but, but in your weakness, God has shown his strength. And here's what I love about these verses, is that it gives us permission to be comfortable in our own skin, to, to recognize that we don't need to, to take ourselves all that seriously. Have you met someone who takes himself way too seriously? It's kind of annoying, isn't it? it, it it's sort of unpleasant. And, and here's, what, here's what Paul says. He says, all right, Corinthians, just like chill out for a second. And, and let me remind you of something. You're, you're imperfect people. And, and this is true of all of us. It's not just true of the Corinthians, right? Everyone would agree with this. Even uh, Tim Ferriss, who's a podcaster and writer, he says even the most successful people in the world, he said that they've just maximized one or two strengths in their life. That's it. They just can do one or two things really, really well, and then there's a lot of gaps, like there is in all of us. But here's what I love about this idea. That God wants to work through your life, as imperfect as it is. That God says, I, 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 intentionally, I want to use you intentionally in your weakness, because it's the perfect avenue to show my strength. Today, I want to encourage some of you, if you're like waiting till you reach some milestone before you're ready to serve God, don't think about it that way. Don't play that game. You're ready now. Like, well, you know, I got all this stuff going. Yeah, that's what Paul's saying. 
He's saying through, through our weakness, God evidences his strength. And that, that we would love if God, you know, always glorified himself at the high points of our life, but God often glorifies himself at the low points of our life. There was a few years ago where I was like fascinated by Mount Everest, and uh, I, I get fascinated by weird things. And so I read, you know, like a bunch of books about it and stuff, and one of the, the things is that if you cross like 28,000 feet or so, it's called the death zone. And the atmosphere is so thin that there's not enough oxygen to sustain your body. So if you go to the summit of Everest or any of these very, very, you know, 8,000 meter mountains, then you, you can only stay there for a very short time and you have to work your way back down. Because in the death zone, at the heights, there's no life. There's no plants. There's no animals. Humans can't survive up there. You just pass through and, and you move back down. Because at the lower elevations is where life is, is where things can actually thrive. And I think sometimes we, we, we think about our lives that way. We're like, no, you know, it, it should be, I want to see God at the summit. But oftentimes in our life, God glorifies himself most at the lower regions of our life. Through our weakness, through our pain through our difficulty. Some of you, you're going through real pain right now, real struggle, but you're holding fast to God. And I want you to know, you are glorifying him in a powerful, in a beautiful way. I know you want to be through it and you want to be on the heights and you're like, hey, if God gives me everything I want, I'll thank him. You know, Lord, thank you for helping me win the Super Bowl. Hey, that, that's cool. But do you know what's amazing? is when you thank God for helping you go through the valley. And when you thank God and you stick with them in the pain, that there's something, there's a glory that you bring to them that's unique. And Paul's saying through our weakness, through our limitations, there's great glory for God. And then in this passage, there's this whole idea, of, it's a contrast. And you got to read the whole chapter, but there's this whole contrast between the wisdom of God and the foolishness of man. And Paul kind of puts these against each other in a, in a few different ways in chapter 1. But it's, it's really profound. And here's what he says. He says, what often seems wise to man as us is foolishness to God. And what seems foolish to us is often the wisdom of God. Like, for example... When Jesus Christ came, and when he said, I'm the son of God, and I've come to rescue and redeem humanity, and I have to go to a cross, and I have to die, no one understood him. No one knew what to do with that. No one could, could you know, put all the, the pieces together. But yet, when he was resurrected, and when they began to understand, and their hearts and minds were open. They were like, oh my goodness, Christ has just defeated sin, death, and evil, but no one could have saw it in the moment. You with me on this? It didn't, no one was expecting a crucified Messiah. They were expecting a military 
and a powerful and authoritative Messiah. And so the wisdom of God seemed foolish to Jesus' generation. And I want you to know, church, in your life and my life, the wisdom of God is always at work, but you might not see it as such. If you're at a moment in your life where you are confused and you're like, what is going on? This all doesn't feel good to me and it doesn't make sense. Here's what I want to encourage you to do in, this, in that moment. I want you to remind yourself, hey, I'm not, I'm not going to see the wisdom of God most of the time. That's what Paul's saying. Most of the time, I'm not going to get it. You know, you try to piece together God's plan for your life, good luck. We're, we're not always given those privileges, that revelation. But here's what, we're, what we can know with complete certainty. The wisdom of God is working itself out in your life. It absolutely is. And you know what you, know what you can do to honor God in those confusing moments? Is you can just suspend judgment in your heart. Those moments when you're confused... And you want to say, God is failing me? You want to say, God, what are you doing? This isn't right. This isn't good. You want to go to, to one of those places where you're, you know, you're upset with God because it just seems all foolish to you. And if you're him, you do it a lot different. In those moments, here's what I want to invite you to do. To pause. To pause. And to say, you know what? Let me remind myself. I will, I'm not that great at seeing the wisdom of God. And, and I'm not going to be. It, it's, a, it's a human paradox. But here's what I will do. Even if I can't see it, I will trust that it is at work. And I will trust that it is good. I want you to know, God is working for your good. But he is so much smarter than us, church. His scope is so much bigger. His plan, it, it encapsulates all of eternity. And to have the expectation that I'm going to be able to understand and assimilate the wisdom of the eternal God is the wrong expectation to put on yourself. But here's what you can do. You don't have to understand it, but you can trust it. Because you know who he is. You know he's for you. And so you know what this gives us, is it gives us more peace with what's happening in life. Look, there's probably many things in your life and my life, it's not going the way you want it. It's not going the way you think it should. Maybe, maybe things are happening that, that, that are really, man, these are things you, you would never want, but, but here's what I want to ask you to do. I want you to just trust God's wisdom and give it time to work itself out. Give it time. Don't put the expectation that you got to understand it. You got to connect all the dots. Just trust his good purpose for you. Trust he will sustain you to the end. And you will arrive at the finish line guiltless. What a beautiful sight. You, you, will, you will get there whole. You will get there complete. Because Christ 
will bring you there. Let's pray. Father, we ask for help to, Lord, recenter and refocus. Father, each of us in this room, online, we've got problems. Some of us, Lord, we have people problems, and I pray that you would give us the gift of prayer. I pray, Lord, some of the people that we have problems with and that have problems with us, that we would pray for. And through praying, our heart would shift to where you want it. I pray, Father, (coughs) where we have come off the center of the gospel, you could bring us back to it. Help us to be encouraged by it and strengthened. (coughs) And I pray we would trust you in all this. In Jesus' name, amen.